Modern Day Thoughts, we're back, episode 8, welcome everybody, my name is Isaac Butterfield, and it's fantastic to be in your little earbuds right now, wherever you are. This episode is brought to you by Front Row Comedy, the premier comedy business in bloody Newcastle, let me tell you that right now, it's amazing. Some of the best gigs coming up in Newcastle before Christmas are run through Front Row Comedy, we've got some great stuff coming up, we've got even this week, we've got uh, Five Sawyers. On Thursday night with the headline, Matty B. Matty B, the philosophical bogan. Uh, he's a Newcastle boy too, and he's, uh, he's doing some great things in Sydney and Melbourne, but you should get along there and check out Matty. He is amazing. And then on the 9th of December, the Wednesday, the 9th of December, it's a massive show. We've got YouTube famous celebrities. We've got people from the footy show. All these type of things. They're all happening at the Foghorn Brew House on King Street. If you haven't been there, go and check it out. Tickets are 50 bucks, which includes a main meal and an entree. Yes, an entree. <laughs> um, great, great stuff. But Front Row Comedy doing great things. So jump on their Facebook page. Check them out. They're a great sponsor of the show and definitely not run by me. Uh, Bryce Fleming, welcome to your show as well. Hello. Thank <laughs> you, Isaac. Good to see you again, mate. Oh, yes. You look Fantastic. like you've had a beer trim since last I've seen you. I haven't. You haven't? Just washed it. Um, so <laughs> what's what's been happening with you, mate? How's the book going? Coming yeah. out yet? Yeah. <laughs> Every week you ask me the same question. Yeah, it's out. It's, it's definitely out. out. It's definitely out. Um, yeah, no, it's going well. It's going well with, uh, as I said, the um, the software that's being developed in regards to the book is uh, is up and running now. So, um, really, yeah, yeah, got a got a plan going, and oh, I'm traveling traveling back and forth to Sydney to, to make all that happen. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we've even got a launch date in April, so you'll have to oh, stay tuned, and yeah. I'm sure you'll see stuff in the. Uh, oh, am the I invited to the launch? Yes, you can be invited to the launch. Oh, It'll be oh, fun. It'll be good. It is exciting. I've never been to a launch before. <laughs> Uh, that'll be great. You have um, to wear pants. Yeah, I'll wear a suit, mate. I'll, yeah. be, I'll get me good clobber on. Don't worry about that. But uh, we've got a great guest in today. We do. Oh, yes. we do. And I've noticed that before we introduce guests, we have a bit of a big build-up. And I think we should still do that. But mm. I just wanted to point out that everyone can read who's in the podcast in the actual episode that we click when you start watching it. Well, this is true. But then you just don't have the suspense of building it up Price right would you like to? <laughs> Regardless of the drum roll that has, has or has not happened, can you please introduce our guest... For this evening. Of course. I'd like to introduce Bernie Garrett. Hello, Bernie. G'day, guys. How are you? Bernie. Very What's well. Happening? Bernie is Newcastle's most influential leadership coach. And um, I know myself, I've done a little bit of work with Bernie, and um, he definitely practices what he preaches in terms of leadership. Um, and before we get stuck into that, and I know you're going to bring massive value to this podcast, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are really going to um, enjoy your story, you're also one of 13... Children. I, I am one of thirteen kids. I um, I was born ten, uh, born number ten out of thirteen. So I, my claim to fame within the family yep. was the first one to reach double figures. Okay. So, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that. So, but yeah, one of thirteen, eight boys and five girls. So no telly in your house. No telly. Catherine grew up on a farm. So yeah. <laughs> you know, everything else is fair. But there you go. Gotcha. And you're from Foundation Leadership. My company is called Foundation Leadership. Fantastic, fantastic. And for the. Uh, the listener out there that has never heard of Foundation Leadership, what exactly are you doing? Okay. I, I, I was in the corporate world for 25, nearly 30 years. And um, I was uh, my last role within the corporate world, um, I was a, a unit manager, a business manager for an underground uh, mining contracting company. And, I mean, great company. I loved what I was doing. Um, but you're, you're at the mercy of other people. You're told what to do. You're told what time to get out of bed. Um, you're told whether or not you can have your lunch break now. You, you're basically under control, as the majority of us are in, in uh, you know, day-to-day work. Um, I wanted to have an influence over people so that I could give them an idea of what they could achieve in their life. And I got retrenched from the mining game because um, the mining downturn. Um, and being an executive manager, um, you're basically one of the first to go because of the, uh, the package that you're basically on. Mm. So I thought, great, um, I got retrenched, and as, as I'm getting retrenched by the director or the general manager, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, beauty, I can start my own business. And uh, the very next day, um, I basically hung a shingle on the door, and I start, I wanted to be a coach, I wanted to be in leadership, I wanted to help people understand leadership and sales. And um, I'd been, I've been doing it, uh, if you like, um, not officially, but unofficially with a lot of people for, for many years, and people always seem to seek my advice around this area. And um, I'd been on my own personal growth program for, for 10 years now, uh, personal leadership growth program. And it was just an obvious choice for me. Um, so 
after I told my wife, you know, why I got home early that day, and I said, I'm going to start my new business. And um, she said, but you've got no clients, you've got no customers. And I said, but that's today. Mm. And I said, but tomorrow, who knows? Yeah. And that was my attitude, and it's never changed. So today I'm um, extremely busy. Um, I have clients all over New South Wales, all over Australia, actually. And I've also got international clients now, um, which is really keeping me busy. But it's, mm. it's what I've always wanted to do. And I'm 53 years old today, mm. and um, people always say to me, how long have you had your business growing? Mm. And I said, well, the business has been growing for 53 years. Mm. <laughs> it's only been registered for three. Yeah. You know, because it's always been in me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just taken me that long to actually discover this is my strength. So why leadership? Why, did, why is that something that's always sort of uh, thrown itself out at you as something that you wanted to help people with? Working in the corporate world for so many years, um, I, I spent 10 years working in China, uh, living and working in China with my family. The kids grew up in China. Um, I had an amazing experience living in China. But in that as well, I, I got an opportunity to work in around 20-odd, 21 countries around the world with the same company. And the thing that I found out that it doesn't matter what country you live in, everybody's the same. They're always, um, they're always told what to do or they're, or they're always fearful of doing something that goes outside of their comfort zone or they doubt their own ability to actually do it. I don't... I have a good sense of self-confidence um, and I know what I want to achieve in my life. And I want to help people overcome the fear and doubt that most people have in their life that they can actually achieve something. So for me, leadership was an obvious choice because, you know, I, I read a lot of leadership books. I, I used to go to a lot of leadership seminars because I wanted to be on a self-growth journey. You know, I wanted to improve myself better today than I was yesterday so that tomorrow would be a great day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we've sort of followed on the podcast the last couple of weeks, especially with Nerida last week. She said, we're talking all about these things that happen in the world at the moment, the mm. fear, Bryce, I think you'll agree, uh, how fear can control people. Mm. And even like big fears like a terrorism type of fear or even a little fear of you know, not making enough money that week to put food on the table or, or going outside your comfort zone or annoying your parents when you make a decision about a job you mm. know, when, you're, when you're a young kid or you're at school. Like, I mean... I think we can really see in all the people that we have had on the show, they've all mm. broken that barrier, Bryce. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely this um, this recurring theme. Um, I think we talked about it uh, before the show, actually, our defining moment. You know, what is that? What is that thing that gives you that confidence to know that you know it doesn't matter how hard it's going to be, that it's just everything is going to be okay. You know, there has to be that little switch, and you know, I think. Um, it sounds like with you, you've always had that confidence, but was there a point in time where there was this, this one this really you can pinpoint it and think, right, that was it, that I knew that it was going to work from that day? Um, it's funny you, you mentioned that because everybody has defining moments in their life. Um, yep. A lot of people don't realise they're actually a defining moment. It's just something that happens and they decide to do something different or they, they change path but they don't really know why. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can I can remember the day and the mm. date and mm. where I was yep. and, uh, and I was in China um, and it was a Friday afternoon and I'd been living there for for almost ten years mm -hmm. and and I know my wife's going to kill me uh, for telling this story <laughs> because she gets very um, emotional about it you know but but I can't change my story sure my story story is my story. story yeah yeah and um, we'd had well I had decided years ago to invest all our all their savings, all our, all the money that I was generating overseas, um, it was it was a very it was a healthy salary, mm -hmm. um, and because we were living abroad, we didn't pay anything in Australia, any tax. It was just all mm. basically what we earned, and uh, so I had I had well over a million dollars mm. um, invested, and we sold our house, so we, we we had nothing to come home to as well, and um, so on this particular afternoon, um, my wife or a few months leading up to this, um, my wife was always weary about the investment. You know, is it still safe? Is it good? Is it okay? Mm. And and I used to you know, talk to this this company on a regular basis and, and think, yeah, everything's going well. I've got all the portfolio, all the documentation, mm. blah 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 blah. Um, and then something happened. I, I tried to. My wife was away, and um, I tried to contact them, and something happened either in the fax or the email, but a, a red flag came up, and I thought this doesn't sound right. And I did a little bit more research and then I got a little bit more concerned. Um, then I thought, okay, well, I, I need to ring someone who knows. So 
um, I rang the FBI in America. Yeah. Right. And I wanted them to investigate this company. And I said, I told them who I was. I told them what I'd done. And I'd put all my money into this company and blah, blah, blah. And um, and they said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll make a case note and we'll bring you back. So a few hours later, they rang me back. And they said, look, we've investigated this. And unfortunately, this is an international scam. Oh, no. And, oh uh, and I'd, I'd already had 1.3 uh, million Australian dollars invested. Um, and he basically said to me that, I'm sorry, but you know, we don't think that you're ever going to see this again. Um, you're going to have to you know, rethink where you are in your life and Holy move forward. Holy shit. Um, so after I got off the phone I, and I was physically sick, um, yeah. I, um, I basically locked myself away because we had... The, the two kids and uh, my eldest daughter had come back to Australia for university. So I, I thought, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell my wife that we've lost everything? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we spent, we'd been married for um, twenty-two years at that stage, mm-hmm. and uh, we had nothing. Um, I had, we had a few grand in, in the bank in Australia, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we basically had it. nothing. You know, so um, she came home that night, and and I got the courage up to tell her, and um, so it it wasn't a good weekend. Mm. Um, and I didn't know how we were going to recover and this was a point in my life where I thought how can I go forward what what can I possibly do Uh, and this was a Friday night so this happened this went all day Saturday and uh, all day Sunday and the kids knew there was something wrong Mm. and Mm. I just you know I said look we're just trying to work something out everything's okay don't worry about it Mm. and so by the Monday morning um, I basically woke up put both feet on the ground and thought to myself well I've lost a million, I'll just make another one. Yep. And that was it. So I just decided then and there that I was going to move forward. Yep. Because if I let that beat me, yep. then I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. Yep. Um, and I am a very optimistic person. I'm a very positive person. I I, um, I believe in what I can achieve. Um, I have a very, I don't have a high ego, I have good self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between ego and confidence. So I just decided that um, if I've done it once, I'll do it again. Yeah. And um, so I started working forward. Yeah. And um, I believed in what I could achieve. We went home. Um, I stayed with the same company, but I progressed with the company again. And then 14, 15 months later, I became uh, the manager of another the, mm. the mining subcontracting company. Mm-hmm. So I was I was always on very good money when I came mm-hmm. home. Um, so that was that was a very big defining moment for me. Um, and and we worked our way. To a point where mm. we recovered, <clears throat> and we bought a block of land, um, an acreage, mm. and we were signing the <laughs> signing the contract for the house, mm. and I got retrenched. <laughs> so another big defining moment comes along, and um, and I'd already retired my wife, yeah. you know, so I didn't want Ruth to work, and you know? I, yeah, yeah. I wanted her to be at home and, and enjoy um, just being at home. So um, I come home this day, and she said, "What are you doing at home this, uh-huh. so early?" And I said, "Well." <laughs> I've got some yeah. got some news to tell you. Yeah. And she said, Well what is it? And I said, I've just been retrenched. Yeah. And she says, No, we can't do this again. We can't we can't go through all this again. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's okay. Yeah. And she said, well, what about the land? What are we gonna do? And I just signed the contract for the house. So I had to ring up the, the builder and say, Listen, you know, this is what's happened and I hope you understand, but I can't go through with this and so we didn't we didn't cause we didn't in, incur any more penalties. Uh, so that was good. Yeah. And, she said, and I said, well, look, I'll sell the block of land. And I said, my remuneration package from the company will mm. keep us going until mm. my business starts mm. going. So it takes off, yeah. So that was almost three years ago. And, and we've used all those savings now. They're, yep. they're all gone, but now my business is supporting us. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I never, I never had one client that very next day that I started. Mm. And I didn't want to go back into the mining and engineering world that I was because mm. they didn't know me as a leadership coach. They knew me. Yeah. as a GM mm. for mining and engineering. So yeah. I thought, no, I need to start fresh. So my, my first client was someone who I never had before. And um, my customer base now is, is goes around the world. That's big, yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Right. <laughs> That's such a massive um, massive thing to deal with. I mean, mentally, to have... Uh, I mean, I'd love to know more about the scam, if you could tell us a little well, bit about Well, it. it was a company in... Um, uh, they believe in uh, Asia Pacific, exactly. Okay, um, and it was it was somewhere in Indonesia. They believe it, it originated, um, and to date, I don't even know whether the, the FBI have, have ever closed my my case file. 
Yeah. Uh, they never come back to me. I had a, a few phone calls um, over the next 12 months when we returned back to Australia. But, um, you know, I, I, I already resolved myself to the yeah. fact mm. that it was gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to move on. So I had to be strong enough that I could support my wife and kids and the struggles that they may have been going through um, because I thought if I don't do that, then this would beat me. And, and mm. honestly, the only person that lets anything beat you is yourself. So for me, it's, it's you know, I, I clean my teeth in the morning, so if I'm responsible for that, and I'm responsible for everything else. Yeah. Um, and that's, so I, I took responsibility. I, I took responsibility for the, you know, the decisions that I made. And in doing that, a lot of the people who know my story have said to me, but don't you look back with regret? Mm. But I don't. I've got no regrets in my life. I've absolutely got no regrets. Because if I look back with regret, it looks, that means I've failed at something. Mm. The decisions I made while I was doing that were the, were the best decisions I the, thought at the time. Yeah. So they couldn't be wrong decisions. They had to be the best decisions that I believed they were. Unfortunately, um, I look back as education spots. Yeah. <laughs> And because for me, it's it's a positive, it's a positive assurance that if I get educated from something that may not have been successful, then I know never to do it again. Mm. But if I look back with regret and failure, then that's all it is. And a lot of people who look back with regret and failure mm. find it hard to go forward. They get stuck there. Well, they, they drag yeah. their baggage forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't drag baggage. I can't change the past, but I can certainly influence the future. And mm. so many people have that issue with letting go and yeah. letting go of something that's happening and dwelling on it. Absolutely. And I mean, <clears throat> we spoke to the ladies from um, Empowerment for Women and, and, and they spoke about people not being able to let things go and being able mm. to... The difference between men and women with letting things go as well. But, I mean... You, you you look after people, not look after you. Run seminars, I assume, and, yep, yep. Uh, and and teach people and coach people. And you, but you've been there. Yeah, you've done yeah. these things. You know that your method, uh, that I know nothing about so far, mm. uh, that it works. Mm. That this positive attitude and this, all right, let's let's just chuck that gone in the bin. It's behind me now. Let's move forward. What are we going to tackle next? Sort of attitude, that that can really help someone. Mm. It, it's all about. I mean, and and. You mentioned earlier about uh, what is leadership, you know, how, how did I get into this world of leadership? Um, leadership is just influence. Uh, to have a positive influence in someone's life, mm. that means that um, you've added value to them. Mm. So if leadership is influence, influence is adding value. Okay. So if I add value to you guys tonight, you'll take something away from this. Absolutely. If Mary Jo comes and visits me and she says, Bernie, I want you to help me with my business over the next 12 months then all I've got to focus on is adding value to Mary so that she can add value to someone else. Mm. It's yeah. that, that domino uh, chain of events that we talk about a lot, Bryce, yep. whether, whether it be with chiropractic or comedy or with leadership coaching. Yep. It really does affect people. No matter how small the impact or the value that you add onto someone, it, it, it's, it, it has an exponential force that grows upon other people. But you don't, you don't even know where it's going to end up. That's that's the amazing thing. You that's know, not you, your responsibility. No. <laughs> your not. responsibility is to add value. Yeah. And a lot of people find this quite bizarre. Um, you know, and, and if I do, I do a lot of um, professional sales programs for companies, you know, corporate companies, small companies. Mm. And I write three things on the board. I write, what does leadership mean to you? And everybody's going to tell me their, you know, their um, impression of leadership. And then I write equals influence. And then I say, what does influence mean to you guys? And then they'll give me something else. And then I write equals adding value. Mm. And I say, right, oh, that's it. That's your course done. <laughs> because if I can teach everybody to add value to someone else's life, yeah. if you're a salesman, yeah. if you're a business development manager, if you're a CEO, if you're the general manager you know, to look after the, great, the biggest the chook factory in the world, if you can add value to your employee to look mm. after the chooks better, Mm. Guess what happens? They're going to look after yeah. the chooks better. They're going to look after the chooks yeah, better. Absolutely. It's not rocket science, but mm. we find it difficult because that four-letter word takes over, mm. L-I-F-E. Mm. <laughs> and we get up in the morning, mm. and it's your determining thought process that, that affects your attitude. Now, my attitude is that I have to add value to someone's life today. Now, I was looking forward to tonight. Uh, yeah. to, you know, and, I, and I said to my wife last night, you know, I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow night, and she said, you know, don't give any family secrets away. And I said, I can't promise you that's what I can do. <laughs> Sorry. But, but, but the, thing, the thing is that, that I was excited about that, yep. you know, because I wanted to know who I could add value to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
And this, I actually said this at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I'm excited because I know you will add value to this podcast and to the listeners out there because, um, you know, as I, as I said before, I've, I've uh, spoken to you over what, a good couple of years now yeah. on and off um, and whenever I go away, I always think more positive about what I do and that helps me to look after the people that I look after and then they make better decisions about their own lives and, and everything else and I think the one thing that you did say uh, also is that it comes down to self-responsibility. And um, again, this is a theme that, that we really, it just keeps coming back every time. It doesn't matter if it's got to do with health, whether it's to business, whether it's um, a relationship, whether it's anything. It's always about this, uh, what, what I call this above, down, inside, out principle. Yeah. This comes from within so that you can give the abundance out rather than people trying to fix your problems yeah that just don't work well the only person that can fix your problems is yourself is you. you know yeah um i mean if, if you take responsibility if you draw draw a line in the sand yeah and uh and you say okay up until this point right now um i'm responsible for everything that's happened in my life mm. now a lot of people don't like that mm. because they don't like looking back and saying that well that wasn't my fault that mm. was fred's fault it's easier to if i had to marry fred yeah then fred wouldn't have put me in that position yeah you know and, and fred says well if i hadn't married mildred then mildred wouldn't have put so it's easy to blame someone. Yeah. But it's not so easy for some people. And, and again, it comes to your personality and your temperament and, mm. and your, you know, your, your, your point in life, which is called your conformity, which is everything that's happened to you in life is based on your experiences, the people you meet, and, and what you've accepted to, to, if you like, grow or change in your life. But if you don't take responsibility, then nothing changes. Mm. Okay? So if nothing changes in your life, then nothing changes in your life. Mm. And and you'll always drag. You know, and if I'd love to, I'd love to be able to wave a magic wand, and and all of a sudden sprinkle fairy dust, and everybody that is carrying baggage mm. would be dragging these two chains with all the baggage. The cars wouldn't be able to move on the streets. Yeah, people wouldn't be able to move in the shops. Yeah, because everybody has got a lot of baggage. Well, I won't say everybody. A lot of people drag their baggage. Sure. Because they don't know how to move forward. Yeah. So it's for them. It's um, it's easy to to look back and blame, mm. than to take responsibility and move forward. Mm. You, you also mentioned um, their personality, and I know you've done a bit of work with personality profiling and, and things like that. Can you um, explain how someone's personality can affect, um, I suppose, their thought processes? And Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taught and trained in, in um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, yep. you know, and you can use uh, the DISC profile. Um, um, I like using... Uh, Florence Litauer's Personality Plus. Now, if anybody out there listening to this that want to learn a little bit about their personality, want to learn a little bit about their family, their friends, their, their workmates, their boss, mm. there's a great book called Personality Plus by Florence Litauer. And what Florence does, she uses the, um, the original terminology that went back to Hippocrates back in the Greek times to understand the body fluids. And, and translated back from Greek into today's language is you have a choleric personality, you have a, a sanguine personality, mm -hmm. you have a melancholic personality and a phlegmatic personality. Now, I'm a choleric sanguine, so I'm an extroverted personality. A choleric mm -hmm. is a, a self-driven, um, a, a lot of general managers, a lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders, um, a strong personalities are cholerics. Mm. They're always right and everybody else is always wrong. And, and you'll know people like that in your life, you know. It could be your husband, it could be your wife, it could be your daughter. But there's someone in your family. I think we're all at this table going, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we're all three clerics here. <laughs> yeah, okay? we are. But yeah. that may be your primary. Yeah. Um, and your cleric may be your self-determining factor that doesn't matter what. Yeah. Okay. I know where I'm going. Just yeah. get out of my road and let me do it. Yeah. You know? um, they can be very demonstrative to other people with a lesser strength of personality. So if you're not self-aware mm. of your strength of personality, you can be very overpowering. And people think, oh, well, I don't like being around Bryce because he just, he's too confronting, mm. you know. And so if you're an introverted personality, like a, a melancholic or a phlegmatic, mm. um, well, dominant personalities are confronting, mm. you know. So, but in our life, we, can, we attract the opposite. Yeah. So I'm a choleric sanguine. Now a sanguine, <clears throat> they're the party animals. Yeah. They're the first ones there, they're the last ones leave. We like to hold court. We like to tell jokes. We like to talk. You know, hence why Bryce invited me here tonight. <laughs> yeah. but, but 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 I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Okay. An introvert is someone who's like melancholic, mm -hmm. data and detail. Mm -hmm. They love spreadsheets. They've got sticky notes all over the fridge. 
They've got it all over their computer screen. Um, they can't do anything without a, a sticky note or a shopping list. But they have a high expectation of their own ability to do something. And with that high expectation, they hold that with other people in their mm. circle as well. Mm. Um, but very, very good. Amazing people. Everybody has this strength of who they are. So there's no bad personalities. It's just who we are. Yeah, of course. But it's understanding our personality. And, uh, and I've got uh, a couple of my daughters that have a very strong melancholic personality. Mm-hmm. My wife's a melancholic phlegmatic. Mm-hmm. And, and she the, told you not to tell you this. Exactly. Story, so yeah. I'm, again, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you're in trouble. Um, but, but, but a phlegmatic <laughs> personality, that's the... My son's phleg. Yeah. Okay. He'll be late to his own funeral. Yeah. You, know, he's, you know, he's on the, you know, I'll do it later, but, but they've got an amazing sense of humour. Incre- I've never seen anybody with such wit as a phlegmatic personality. Yeah. You know, and they're very loyal, extremely loyal people. You know, and, and his personality is, for me, it's just magic because it makes that six foot one kid who he is. Mm. Um, so everybody's different, but when you understand your personality, my personality is, is of strength and determination. Losing the money, mm. that wasn't the end of the world. Mm. For me, it was rebuilding. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get back and give back to my family <clears throat> what I took away. So I can't blame anybody. I can't blame anybody that, that was in, involved in the scam or anything. Because it's my responsibility. I should have researched better. Mm. I should have asked more questions. I should have kept it in the bank like, like Ruth said. Mm. But I didn't. So it's my responsibility. So in that, it's also my responsibility as a as a father, as a, as a husband, and as the as the role model to okay, I'm going to grow again. Would you say it'd be fair that any business owner that's looking to employ people should know about personality types? A lot of corporates do. A lot of corporates will use companies to do personality profile. Okay. Okay. But a lot of SMEs, small to medium enterprises, well, that, that's quite expensive to use a a corporate agent to identify mm. uh, their personality trait. So uh, me and my, you know, my, my role in corporate, if I wanted to employ someone who was at the computer putting data analysis in, I wanted to have a melancholic fleek because they're very good with the data, mm. they're very detailed, but they'll do it all day long. Yeah. They're very peaceful and they don't need to get up and walk around and for eight hours a day they're quite happy to put the data and they're not, they're not they're not confrontational. They're not boisterous like me. I'll, I'll walk around the office and I'll disturb everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't do that. But if I wanted to employ a sales guy or, or an account manager, mm. I wanted to have a choleric sanguine like myself or a choleric melancholy, mm. someone who was self-determining, self-driven, self-driven. but Get could, do a, but could yeah. do a great report, yeah. had the data and the detail to support that. And even a sanguine melancholy, mm. you know, great with personalities, but knows how to put the plot together. Mm. You know, so... Fantastic personalities. If you're a phlegmatic, remember, I'm, in, I'm an introvert. I don't want to be a salesman. I don't want to tell a customer. I don't want the customer to tell me, sorry, we're not buying that today, get out. Mm. Because I don't want to go back tomorrow. So if you're going to be in sales, and if you're going to look at employing people based on what you want to achieve, use the personality profile. Yeah. Extroverts for extroverts, introverts for introverts. Yeah. Look at the role, look at the position, and employ accordingly. Yeah, because it makes life a lot easier, and it's absolutely true. And I'm sure we can all relate to it in jobs that we've done in the past. Or you, I, I cannot sit at a desk for eight hours. No, I, I neck myself. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the worst time. But also, like you know, you, you want to be around, you want to be moving around, you want to be talking to people, you want to be doing this, this, and this. But as you said, you, there's, there's always those people in your office, or or you go to an office space and you see those people that will sit there all day yeah. and type and type and mm. type yeah. and then go home, sleep and type. <laughs> and that's just that's yeah, what, what they, they do. do. And they enjoy it. And they're perfectly they love it. Yeah. That. yeah. Well, it's like um, it's like Lisa from Revolution Business. You know, yeah. she she's an accountant and she loves accounting. She mm. loves punching numbers. Yeah. You know, and and I can't. You know, if that was myself, I, I couldn't think of anything worse. Um, and you know, I, it's true. It, it is true, yeah. And I must say, um, I've just employed someone recently, um, and when I went through all the interviews, you know, I did use a lot of that kind of stuff that I've learned from you over over the years about how to, um, I suppose, it's read people so that you can just pick the ones that you know are going to work best in that role. And it, it's such it's a, very true. it's we, such an amazing ability to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. We, we read, we we carry our personalities on our sleeves. Mm. All you've got to do is look for them. You've got to look for the signals, the signs, the little traits. Yeah. Um, and it's not hard. Once you know, it's not hard. And, and when you put a team together, you don't want four clerics in a room mm. 
or you know what four sanguines in the room, or you know what four <laughs> millies in the room, yeah. or you know what four flags in the room. Because you can imagine the clerics are going to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. The same ones are just, just going to have a party. And party all day long. The Millies can't decide on what spreadsheet to use. And the flags are all asleep anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you've got to have that combination of, yeah. of who you want. Yeah. And building a team, you have to have that mix of, com- of personalities. So you said it's very quick to read. Uh, I've never met you before, Bernie, and I walked in a little bit late because, you know, I was just doing <laughs> incredible things. And, uh, <laughs> how quickly could you read my personality? Well, you're a sanguine anyway. Yeah. Okay. Now you're a sanguine cleric or you're a cleric sanguine. You're a stand up comedian. You don't get introverts on stage no. wanting the microphone and say, I'll be here again next week. Eat the meat, it's great. Okay? So you're an extroverted personality. So you're an easy read. Yeah. Okay? Um, when people walk in, I mean, even when you walked in and you introduced yourself, straight away, you're an extrovert because mm-hmm. the way you shook my hand, the way that you gave me the space, and you, know, you asked the immediate questions about myself. So you're inquisitive. Introverts don't necessarily do that. You know, they'll they'll approach much quieter. Their tone of voice is much quieter. You know, their handshake maybe is nice and strong, but it'll be at a distance. And you know, I may ask you one question, but that's about it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it, it's once you once you learn the the basic, um, I wouldn't say rules of play, but once you learn the basic personality t- tricks or profiles, it's not hard to pick people. Mm. My my granddaughter, she's one year old yesterday. Now, yep. when she was born, within a, within a couple of days, um, I knew she was a sanguine. Mm-hmm. And I knew she was cleric. Within because, a couple of days? Within a, because she, she's just that determining. Babies, you're yep. born with your personality. Okay, but you learn different skills as you grow up through your life. Yeah. I learned the skill of melancholic data and detail yep. because of my, my positions that I had to have around the world. Yeah. So I've learned how to use a spreadsheet. I've learned how to develop different programs. But if I, was, if I never saw a, pro, a computer again or a spreadsheet again mm. for the rest of my life, I'd be a happy you man. Wouldn't, yeah, you, know? you wouldn't be losing sleep uh, over it. But, but as, the, as, as the kids grow, you see, she's one year old. She's so choleric sanguine. She's hilarious. Just, mm. But it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And my daughter knows personalities. My kids know personalities. Yeah. Because I've taught them over the years. And I suppose, um, obviously, the more uh, front of mind it, it becomes, this, this personality profiling, obviously, the quicker and easier it is to pick up more people is, and things like is. that. Do you think, um, just as a, let's call it a natural law or something like that, that a family will somehow tend to have a mix in it as it grows bigger? Um, or do you find that it's just luck of the draw? It is pure luck of the jewel. I mean, I, I if you're, a, if you're, a, I mean, we're, use me as an example. Yeah, yeah. I've got eight. I've got seven brothers and five sisters. Yeah. Right now. now I've got flags, I've got mellies, cholerics, and sanguines. Um, they're all there, you know. So it's, um, but I didn't really know their personalities until I started to study it, mm. you know, a number of years ago. Yeah, of course. But now when I look at them, it's 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 who they are. Yeah, you know. And their kids are different as well, though. Yeah. You know, so just because I'm choleric, melancholy, uh, choleric sanguine, my wife's Melly Fleg. Yeah. Um, I've got a daughter, you know, she's Melly Sanguine. Yeah. You know, so I've got another daughter who's um, choleric, Melly, but my son, he's Fleg. Yeah. You know, mm. so it, it doesn't matter. You know, his primary is Fleg and his secondary is Fleg, but he's Fleg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't deny it. So kids have this, and you, as you just said, you can tell from a very early age. Absolutely. So why at school would kids be put into that one-size-fit-all sort of uh, mentality of how you mould someone into a job or you mould someone into learning? I, 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 can't, I can't talk on how um, teachers teach because they're, 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 they do an amazing job. Oh, you know? sure. But in, your, in your opinion, are they doing it the right way? They do it the way that they've been shown to do it. Okay. 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 <laughs> Does the education department? <laughs> you're right. You're 100 right. Does the education department put the put the right things in place so the kids can be taught in the correct way? Well, I'll, I'll answer this another way. Okay. Okay. Um, you don't see many schools, many education um, um, institutions teaching leadership. Hmm. I don't know. So if they're not going to teach leadership, why will they teach them how to understand their personality? Right. Uh, I, I would love that all schools taught the basics of leadership. How to, how to focus on a self-growth program to be better than you are today, focusing on a role model. I mean, one of my role models is John C. Maxwell. Now, I've been following John for well over 10 years, and I had an opportunity to meet him live in, uh, in Florida this year. 
Um, and I and I was um, I did a certification program under his uh, mentorship. It was one of my bucket lists. You know, tick. It was just one of the most exciting things that's ever happened to my life. But it, even if I had never met him, I still would have been on my self growth program. Mm. But it was my decision to go on the growth program. Now, a lot of a lot of kids don't get an opportunity because they don't understand leadership. Mm. They don't. They don't know how to fix a car because they don't. They're not shown how to change a spark plug or whatever it is. We don't know what we don't know, mm. right? So if there was a program in the schools just to teach them, just a simple thing about their personalities, which led into a growth program as a as a child growing up, it'd be amazing, absolutely amazing. Mm. I think all kids. When I teach kids how to understand their personalities, when I taught my kids, and I we did it, we used to do it around the kitchen table. Yeah. Well, when we have conversations now, and they're all got partners, my middle daughter, she's married and got the granddaughter, but they're all got partners. And when they come home and they say, Dad, oh, this guy was so phlegmatic, or this guy was so choleric, or Dad, this guy was so um, sanguine, we all know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, because the kids know their own personality and they know other people's personalities. Yeah. And, and it's a great thing. I mean, I, I'm, my wife and I are very proud of, of you know, how we've been able to instill a simple little program like that into the kids. Mm. So it's definitely doable. It's just not being enacted in the correct way. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, I, I guess perhaps it's not, you know, completely reliant on schooling and the education of, of young people in Australia. It, it's sort of, you know, when, you, when you're brought up and you, you, your dad's a carpenter and his dad was a carpenter and, you know, bloody Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Chances are you're going to be a carpenter. But your personality, personality may not reflect that. Like, my personality certainly, certainly did not reflect that. And every, every one of my mates was going off to do their trade and I was like, I don't want anything yeah. to do with that. I couldn't think of anything worse. Well, guess what? I wanted to be a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a true story. Because yeah. 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 you know, we, we, we had so many mouths to feed at home. Basically, when you got to 15... You know, okay, end of year four, uh, end of year ten uh, or fourth form, um, go and get a job. Yeah. Go and get a trade, but yeah. Dad said you have to get a trade. Doesn't matter what the trade is, but you can always rely on it and go back later in life. So he instilled in us, and and I got my work ethic from my dad. You know, because he had to work so many shifts. You know, a single yeah. a single uh, income earner, mm. um, and so many mouths to feed. Dad, he was always at work. Um, he, he never got a chance to, to see me play soccer a lot, and I loved playing soccer as a kid. And I, I was, a, you know, I represented Lake Macquarie in Newcastle in the state, and, mm. and, and but Dad missed those opportunities because he had to work. Mm. So for my work ethic was work hard, mm. work hard, and and you will be rewarded. Not necessarily, mm. you know, because when I look back at Dad, and Dad said, you know, oh, listen, I can't, I can't take a day off work. Who's going to do my job? And I always had that ethic. You know, and, and I, I still have that ethic. But I know that if I got hit by bus 101 tomorrow, mm. someone else would someone come else do my job. Someone else would be your job. Exactly. Yeah, somewhere so, along the line. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is good to have a great work ethic, but you've also got to have that work-life balance. And oh, for me, there's no, greater, there's no greater aspect in my life or no greater value in my life than the family. Mm. You know, and that's, uh, it's everything to me. And I know I diverse, I, I digress then, no, I don't know where no, I'm going to No, yeah, that's, no that's, that's, that's completely fine. I've got a question. Um, you said John John was a mentor of yours. Do you think, um, do you think uh, like everyone should have a coach or a mentor or, you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of people, even, even so, you know, you see the, the quote going around about um, Michael Jordan, you know, even Michael Jordan had a coach yeah. or even... Um, Tiger Woods, you know, had a golf coach. And even though he'd probably be better than them, you've still got someone that can kind of, you know, springboard off. So, yeah. It, it, it's a great question. I, if I, and I, I know I've already said this once, but we don't know what we don't know. So if you use your own education as the basis of growth, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. Yeah. Okay, because if you're trying to grow based on information you don't have, then you are who you are. Mm. Right, so the only thing that changes is the date. Right, yeah. if, for you to instill more information into yourself, you've got to surround yourself with more people. Yeah. You've got to read more books. You've got to download more information so you can hear it and listen to it and watch it mm. because that's your education. Mm. Now, you have to put a... Even if you put a dart on the wall, a pin mark, a dot, I don't care what it is, but you have to work towards something in your life. Yeah. If you're not working towards something, someone else... Will work to work you towards their something. Yeah. Right. Huh? So self growth, self determination, and having a role model 
is giving you information and people say, oh, yeah, but that's, it's, you're a dreamer. You're, you're living the life in someone else's shoes. I don't live my life in John Maxwell's shoes. Mm. I don't live my life in anyone's shoes. John gives me information. So does Marilyn Sherman. Mm. So does Mark Gorman. So does Mark Sanborn. So does a lot of other mentors in the world. Mm. And if I take the best of all of these, then I'm learning. I'm growing. I adopt. I mean, for me to go from from having absolutely everything taken away from me yeah. to be, you know, nine years later, to be in a really great spot in my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I consider myself so lucky. Yeah. Not, not lucky that, you know, it was heads instead of tails. Mm. Lucky that I've got an amazing family yeah. who believe in me and support me. Yeah. Lucky that I've been able to have a mentor like John Maxwell and Mark Gorman and Mark Sanborn and Marilyn Sherman and all the other hundreds of leaders that, mm. the books that I've read in my life. But you determine where you go. So if, to answer your question, yes. You should have you a coach. You should have a coach. Not, yeah. well, not necessarily a coach, but a role model mm-hmm. that, you can, that you can use as a role model. Yeah. A lot of people don't get the opportunity to have a one-to-one coach. Mm-hmm. And they may read a book and say, I love, I love his teachings. I love his... That could be a, a, a if you like, a, a non... Uh, if you like, a written coach. Yeah. Um, that you use and you practice the, what, what he believes in. Um, but if you can get a coach, a good coach, mm. absolutely, mm. it is worth. I've got a coach. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I. I mean, I'm. I am where I am in my life because of everybody that's influenced me. So yeah, I, I still have a coach. I think, um, you know, when you said about different uh, mentors and influential people and different coaches, um, you know, they all they all deliver the information in their own kind of way and. You know, the the point, the ups and downs you've had in your life have given you a very unique world view that, you know, the information that you hear from these people would be deciphered differently Absolutely. and you take it on board differently. So it makes a lot of sense to me in what you're saying about, um, you know, get, as, get more of a broader scope because even though they might be saying something, you're probably picking it up in a different lens than... The next person. Yeah. We hear what we want to hear, hear, what you want to hear. at the time we're yep. ready to hear it. We read what we want to read at the time we're ready to read it. Yeah. Now, I remember someone saying to me, Bernie, why do you read so many books on leadership? Mm. Aren't they all the same? Mm. And I said, well, no. I said, there's a theme that runs through all books, mm. okay, that, that may be the same around leadership. But there's always, it could be one phrase mm-hmm. that jumps out at me. And yep. that's all I needed to read. For that day, or for that week, or for that month, yeah. And I want to live that phrase because if that phrase adds value to me, yeah. then I need to pass it on and add value to someone else. Because yeah. leadership's not just my job. This is a career for me. This is my whole life. Mm. And, and I and I and I I love what I do. Mm. Um, if I didn't do it, I'd, I'd find something else to do. But yeah. I absolutely love what I do. Yeah. As I said, it's taken me. It took me 50, 50 odd years to find my calling, so to speak. Yeah. And, and, and I always say to my wife, you know, I've got 50 years left. Yep, yep. Imagine what I can do now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, but that's how I look at it. <coughs> yeah. A lot of people can be very uh, negative towards especially uh, motivational speakers. Uh, they can be very sceptical. Uh, is there a difference between a motivational speaker and a life coach? And why are people, why are people do you think that people are so negative? Some people are so negative towards those people. Okay, that's a great question. Um, I don't look at myself as a motivational speaker. Okay, mm. if I'm on stage, I like to think that I'm a motivational teacher, because I give people the tools to get, to take away. Okay, but motivation, like Zig Ziglar says, motivation is like having a shower. You need it daily, otherwise you start to stink. Okay. Right? So motivate. I see. I can't motivate you. I can't motivate Bryce. Mm. But I could inspire you mm. to do something for me. For you to motivate yourself. I can't change you, but I can influence you. Yeah. Right mm. So motivation is a self-determining factor. Inspiration is something that you get so that you want to be motivated to do it, achieve something, work towards that dot on the wall. Mm. That's me. That's where I'm going to be. Um, if I don't, um, and, and looking at um, motivational speaking or um, the negative aspect of motivational speaking, um, a lot of people think, but yeah, well, I need this. You know, I went and saw him, and it was great. But now, what have I got? Yeah, you know, and and that's a motivational speaker can lift you. Well, you're pumped up. You're adrenaline exactly. flowing. Everything's happening. But when you walk away, what have I got? Yeah. And this is where um, the only reason that people grow in their life is that they change their daily habits. Yeah. Not their weekly or their monthly or their quarterly, 
The daily habits make the changes in your life. So a motivational speaker can inspire you to change your habits. Yeah. Okay? Because it's not the big habit that you change. Okay? It may be, I want to quit smoking or I want to lose 25 kilograms. Mm. So all of a sudden you go on this death diet yeah. or you say, right out, I'm never going to buy another packet of smokes. Yeah. Maybe today, if I'm struggling and I've spent 25 years trying to stop smoking, maybe today... The last smoke out of every packet I'll throw away. Mm. And then I two out of every last packet. Yep. It's your daily progress yep. that, that, you, that you change. There's a great book out there by Jeff Olson, and it's called The Slight Edge. Mm -hmm. Now, Jeff talks about your daily habits that progress you in the direction you want to go in your life. Yep. So everything you do daily, in the progression of where you want to go, will, you will always reach your goal. Yep. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what your goal is, You'll always, always achieve it. Yeah. But it's when you don't do it, okay, you, you can only go up or down. We can't maintain anything in our life, unfortunately. All right? So we're either growing or we're diminishing. Mm -hmm. So if you're not growing in the direction you want to go, you're diminishing, and oh, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do it later. I'll do it next week. Yeah, but unfortunately, you're not growing. Yeah. Well, it's what it's the old saying. You're not going forwards, you're going backwards. It's, uh, it's very yeah. true. Um, and look, I resonate with this. Uh, quite a lot um, and this is the exactly the same kind of model that I try to um, produce when it comes to, to healthcare or you know when I'm on stage um, you know I'll speak for an hour or two hours or a day or whatever it might be and in the, you know, the last thing that I do is I try and tell people what it is they need to do I get people to shift that mindset or that belief about themselves so that they want to change mm. and um, uh, and then when you add the positive things back into their life and you give them opportunity to change, you're right. They just, they, they just, and it might take them six months or a year or two years, but you know, I've had people come back to me, um, you know, literally years after they've seen me speak and they've gone, Oh, you know, you said that one thing yeah. and, and now look at me now, you yeah. know, and, and you don't realize it at the time, but it, it's, you're spot on. Yeah. Whereas you look at, you look at, um, the majority of any industry, it's the complete opposite. Mm. It's, you know, how can I stop you from doing what you like to do and how can I get you to do something you don't want to do? Mm. That makes no sense. Exactly right. It makes no sense. The, the only reason we want to achieve anything in our life, and because I do a lot of goal setting with companies and, and individuals, and um, the only reason we, we will achieve anything in our life mm. is that we marry it with an emotional connection. Mm. Okay? Uh, and people say, oh, Bernie, I want, to, I want to generate an extra 50 grand in my business this year. And I say to them, but why? Oh, so I can pay more bills or I can buy a new car. And I said, well, that's nice, but you're not going to do it. Mm. What's the emotion? Mm. You know, what's the, what's the, when you peel the onion, what's the absolute real reason why you need an extra $50,000? It may be because it's going to cost me a fortune to, for the orthodontist, for the, my daughter's teeth or, you know, for the, for the kid's shoes or she needs an operation. Whatever it is, that's the emotional Drive reason. Yeah. So if I can get, if I can peel down to the emotion as to why you want to achieve it, Absolutely no problem. I'll help you achieve it. But if I can't connect it with an emotion, I tell you, you've got to be a very strong person mm. to achieve the goal. Yeah. And that's why goal setting for a lot of people and motivational speaking, oh, it doesn't work. Mm. I said I could do this, but now look at me. Three months later, I'm still overweight yeah. or I'm still not doing this. I'm still not doing this. Because yeah. they didn't connect that with an emotion. Mm. Everything we want to achieve in our life, you have to connect to an emotion mm. because that's your desire. That, that drives you forward. My desire was to rebuild my, my life after we lost everything. I connected with emotion. Three kids and a wife. Yeah. It was an easy emotion for me to create. It was an easy <laughs> goal to set. You know, and I'm still building. And, and I, I don't think I'll ever stop building because I, I enjoy what I do and, and I can see where I'm going. And, and to have an international client now that I didn't have 12 months ago, you know, my, my business is going in the way I want it to. Mm. But there's an expectation to that I set. Mm. You know, I, I wanted to have an international client. I didn't know how. Mm. I didn't know where it was going to come from. But you knew it was going to happen. And it was a pure yeah. thin thread. Yeah. And I can relate to that as, as far as goal setting is concerned. Like I've, for the first time in my life, set a proper goal, written down how I'm going to achieve it and all these type of things. It's a stand-up based goal. And you, you talk about the emotional aspect of it. I, it stemmed from a lady saying to me that she had the worst day and she's, you know, after the show, she came up and said, oh, thank you. Maybe forget about it for 20 minutes. Yeah. 
And I was like, okay, well, that's that's my point. That's my whole thing in this whole existence of whatever you want to make of it. That if I've made that difference to one person, imagine how many people I can make that difference to. And, and you know, to, to have that goal in place and how I'm going to achieve it, I think that's really important. And I never I always like people say, to you, "No, mate, you got to have goals. You got to have goals." But yeah, that's just the thing you say. You know, that's just that's just words in the ether. It it's, means a fl- nothing. it's a flippant comment. It is. Yeah. Okay. It is. It's a throwaway comment. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. Oh, you should do that. Okay, sure. Bugger mm. off. You know, yeah. yeah. That's all it is. But to actually have one in place and know how it feels, and, you, and perhaps that gives you the power to set more. Uh, well, uh, and a lot of people they they set huge goals, absolutely enormous goals. Mm. You know, like like as an example, um, I want to lose fifty kilograms. Mm. You know. And I said, well, when do you want to do it? Oh, over the next three months. Is it realistic? You know, you use the old smart terminology. But they say, well, I want to do it over the next 12 months. Mm. Well, then break it down. How many kilograms is that a month? Mm. How many how many grams is that a week or a day? Mm. And it may be that I've got to lose 125 grams a day. Now, I'm not good at math, so everybody out there, don't get your calculations. <laughs> but, but work it out that it may be only 100 grams a day. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. If I lose 100 grams a day... At the end of the twelve months or two years, I'm going to lose fifty kilograms. But people set a goal, I'm going to lose fifty kilograms. And at the end of the week, the scale—they've actually put on three three grams or a hundred grams or a kilogram. Mm. They go, "That's it, bugger it, I'm not doing it. It doesn't work." Yeah. Because they don't know how to set goals. So if someone, sorry, now if someone said to me, "I want to yeah. lose fifty kilograms," I'm going to say, "Why?" Yeah. Tell me why. And they say, "Oh, because I just don't like being fat anymore." Yeah. Okay, but tell me why. Because what is it? Oh, no, sorry, tell me why. And I'm going to keep pulling that onion. Now, they're going to be in tears and I don't care. But I will find out why they want to lose it. Because someone said to them, driving past in a car, oh, you fat thing. Mm. And that was it for them. Mm. I don't ever want to be called that again. Mm. Now, I know it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, an easy example to use. But what I'm trying to instill here is that people set goals and they don't reach them and they don't know why. Okay, Because they're setting the wrong type of goal. Mm. It's not connected with an emotion, and it's so big, they can't measure it daily. And that's where I said your daily habits will change your life. Yeah. And that, that principle, um, I think, uh, especially in, in business and, and sales and things like that, which you awesome. know, you're, you're all over, really, it's, it's the same thing, isn't it? You know, if, you, if you had a, um, I don't know, like you had to sell a product or something like that, and you wanted to sell a million products, and to do that, you'd have to get you know, so many leads, whatever it might be, instead of going, right, well, let's start at the million, let's go, well, how many leads a day or how many people do I have to speak to yeah. to be able to achieve that goal? And you break it down and, so yeah, you're right. It becomes, um, well, it becomes something it that becomes you can tangible. every day. It's tangible, it, yeah. It has to be tangible. Yeah. If people can't see it in their own brain, yeah. the, the tangible aspect of a goal. Now, remember, we're coming up to one of the greatest months in the world, mm. okay, or of the year, sorry, for goal setting. Yeah. Which is genuine. Okay? Yep. Now, imagine if you could pile up all the goals that were set, all New Year's resolutions. They'd be taller than the, the, the great pyramids of, of Giza. But by the end of the month, you know, you've just got a little mound in the, mm. in the sand. Mm. Because nobody's doing it. Oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Midway through February, now it's just a... Yeah. a, a, a you get little, back into that grind and you exactly. put it on the back. That fall in the word takes over. L-I-F-E. Yeah, L-I-F-E. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, there's nothing wrong with setting goals. But yeah. you've got to find out why do I want to send the goal, set the goal? Can I connect it with emotion? Can mm. I measure it daily mm. so I can achieve it? And mm. and that's for me. It's goal setting is easy, um, but but and it's easy for me to say that. And people out there listen and say, "Oh yeah, but you know, you're a success." I wasn't always a success. I, mm. I've got a self confidence and belief that I can achieve something, and that's three quarters of the way for goal setting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think it, it's, it's the confidence that you have within yourself that, as you said before, people think it's a, it's a negative thing. You know, people think, oh, well, this bloke's just up himself, he's full of himself, all that type of stuff. But there's a difference. There's a difference between being a cockhead and being a person that's like, no, no, mm. I can do that, or I can achieve this, exactly. or this is what will happen. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, as you said, setting massive goals, I, I, I try to set, you know... I have a goal in 50 years' time that I want to achieve one of these things or, or some of these things. And I think that's a positive thing for me because yeah. if I end up halfway there, then it's, that's still pretty good. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, uh, Aim for the moon and hit the stars. Exactly. <laughs> that's sort of my whole philosophy. Like, even with this, like we start off doing this you know, eight, ten weeks ago and it's just us sitting in, in Bryce's garage 
And look at us now, we've got... <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the studio lights, yeah, you've got all the microphones know, exactly. around here, uh, I'm in the tea lady. But it's <laughs> it's a, really impressive. It's a, it's a slow build and we're hitting goals every week. We're, you know, our interview... Not really, I don't like to use the word interview because it's not really an interview, but our, our conversational Conversation. technique yeah. has changed and it's more productive and you know we're, we're hitting goals every week with, with the things that we want to do. And uh, I just think it's and it's it's helpful with the people that come on our show, mm. and it just becomes everyone just increasingly makes everything more positive every week. Mm. And I think hopefully with the listeners, uh, the the multi plethora of millions <laughs> that are out there that are out there listening. Hi, hi mum. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I just hope. And as you said, one person. If it can change one person's view, and this is my idea, I, I've been, I was talking, I've been talking to my old high school for like three years now, but I wanted to do a talk to the year twelves there about yeah. about making a life decision or or about not freaking out at year twelve and and about you know you don't have to do this type of job, you can do anything, you know these type of things, and the amount of red tape I had to jump through when I couldn't talk about this, I couldn't talk about sadness, I couldn't talk yeah. about mm, yep. any of these type of things. Sheltering these kids who are 18 years old, they can go to a pub if they want, but mm. sheltering them in a way that mm. oh, the world's fine. Mm. You know, yeah. You'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. Absolutely. And you know what? You probably will be fine. But but there are a lot of kids who are not. Yeah. There are a lot of kids exactly. who struggle. You know, they, they don't know if they if they want to go to university. And then when they, yeah. they have a gap year and they, they think, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to university now. And when they go to university, 18 months later, what do I do this course for? You know, mm. there's no, and, and I say leadership. There is no leadership out there helping them, guiding them, mentoring them in the direction that they can go with the options. Now, and a lot of kids, they do what their, their mum and dad said, well, why don't you do this or why don't you do this? Mm. And they, they follow a path or a career that they believe, okay, well, I don't know anything about it, but mum and dad know, so I'll follow this yeah. career. And, and 12 months or 18 months later, they think, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. I've got no passion for this. Mm. I've got no, there's no desire. You know, my, my son, um, he went... Uh, University of Sydney at UNSW, and there's a good plug. And, and he, um, eight or 12 months into it, 30 months later, he said, Dad, I really don't want to do this. He said, I, He was doing a Bachelor of Arts and he loved film and media. And he said, It's just not what I thought it was going to be. And I said, Well, you know, you know, what do you want to do? He said, I, I, I think I just want to get a job and, and just chill out for a, a little while. And I said, Well, that's fantastic. I said, I'm, I'm not going to make you go to university. But I said, You know what the rule is, don't you? And he goes, Yeah. And I said, well, the moment you leave university, you're 100% independent, so you've got to pay your way. So you've got to find a job, you've got to get an apartment, and it's all borne by you. But that was our agreement. Mm. But I said, while you're at university, I'll pay your, you'll pay your accommodation. And I said, everything else is sorted. But he said, no, I'm willing to stand up and do it myself. So three years later now, he's going back to university part-time studying psychology. Absolutely loves, loves it. Yeah. Just loves it with passion. You know, and he's still working. He's got a great job in Sydney, and uh, he's in sales. He's like his old man was, you know. Yeah. But but he he loves it. He just loves it mm. because he found what he liked to do, and now he's growing a passion for it because he's good at it. Mm. He's very good. But that's just one example. Um, and there's a lot of kids out there that just struggles to to identify where they where they want to be in their life. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a very good lesson too. Um, you know, some of the. Uh, the best things that can happen to us are realizing what we don't want, you know, in life. Um, because if you're clear on what you don't want, then what you do want just seems to present itself a lot easier. I find. Um, I know that happened with with me and through university and um, you know certain jobs and things like that. I re I just went, yeah, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> so yeah, and that and you just you set different goals and um, you know have a different outlook on things. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean. Uh, as I said earlier, I, I am a very optimistic person. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, fam, family, friends, and, and even people who have only quite recently met me, mm. they say, you know, how do you maintain this optimistic, positive attitude? And it's just a decision. Mm. It purely is just a decision. Because I always get better results with an optimistic view than I do with a pessimistic view. Mm. And it's a shame that the rest of the world, you know, doesn't pick up on the fact that the more optimistic you are, the better the results going to yeah, be. Absolutely. I, I told the story last week about the gentleman that ran into my car, and I was he, he was blind at the pub, and I chased him down the road, and I was you know we were, all my mates were blowing up, they were going to kill this bloke, carry on like that, and he gets out of the car, and I just said, listen, don't worry about it, mate, we'll sort it out. You know, a positive attitude, these yeah. type of things. You know. 
Everyone else was very pessimistic about it. Like, oh, you should, you know, sort him out, all these type of things, ring the police. No, no, let's not do it. And then I was all happy about it, fine, let's say, we'll sort it during the week, don't worry about it, give me your number, it's all sweet. And then later that night, someone found him with a rope around his neck, upstairs at the pub, because he lived up there. I, and I thought if I had that, you know, that bad attitude, if you will, pessimistic attitude, mm. then he probably would have killed himself, mm. perhaps. Mm. But I didn't. And that's where I sort of learned that, okay, you're allowed to have this positive attitude about anything. Mm. Absolutely. About anything in your life. The, the, the most the horrid com- you know, complication that happens in your life. You can find something good out of it. It's, it's not what's happened. Start that again. It's not what happens to us in our life. Mm. It's how we, we react to it. it. Yeah. How we deal with it. What attitude we take into it. And we've seen a lot of this, you know, this, this unrest between, you know, um, Reclaim Australia and, and, mm. and the, the other religions out there in the world. Um, I mean, it's yet people go into it with a negative attitude. Mm. You know, and there's going to be riots. There's going to be fights. There's going to be. I mean, they had the same. They had the same type of protest up at Cessnock. It was a peaceful quiet, a peaceful protest because people went in with it with an attitude of equality. You know, I want to have my say, but I'm willing to listen to what you say. Mm. But a lot of people have this mentality that no, this is the this is my attitude, and nothing's going to sway me. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a shame. And it's that whole social justice warrior sort of attitude that's just shit. And everyone's negative, and everyone's oh, let, well, you've said this, you're the worst person yeah. in the world, and yeah. how dare you? And yeah. when reality, when the reality is, common sense usually prevails. Like with the with the reclaim Australia thing, Muslims are the worst people in the world. Well, no, they're not. Okay, no. <laughs> you know, like obviously they're not. And anyone with a, a general sense of the world can just go, well, no, they're not. Well, unicorns are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean. Every you could say there's there's billions of nails in the world that you use on a building site, but one pops a tire in your car and all of a sudden the nail's the, the worst thing. And everybody hates a builder. Everyone yeah. hates <laughs> everybody. Exactly, yeah. it's all shifting the blame and throwing the blame over here. And as we said the other day, the negative things on the news and all these kids are bringing it in, and that's how they're growing up. And but it, but it's it's <coughs> the thought process that we have that affects our attitude. The mm. attitude affects your behaviour. Your behaviour gets you the results. Mm. Now there's a story that they did years ago where they they did a study. On two young kids, um, and you know, eight nine years old, and one was one had everything in his life, okay, but he had just the worst attitude. Everything was a problem, okay. So they put him in a room full of toys, full of games, full of the best things that he could possibly want to play with as a, as a ten year old boy, and the and because he, he was always pessimistic and, and just everything was a problem. The other eight year old boy um, was an optimist, great attitude, and they put him in the room with a pile of horseshit, right? So they left him in there for an hour. They came back with a kid with, who had everything in life and had a terrible attitude. And every tool was broken. Mm. The graphs were, I mean, everything was off the walls. And he's crying and yelling and screaming. And he said, nothing, you know, nothing works. I hate all of this. This is miserable. Get me out of here. Then they went to the boy with the room full of horseshit. And he's throwing the horseshit everywhere, <laughs> from one end of the room to the other. And they said, what's going on? And he says, God, he said, with all this horseshit, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, again, it's the attitude that we take into anything. Yeah. You know, but it's your thought process. He thought there was a pony in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think in most things in your life where, you, where you're trying to strive for something, there is that pony there. You've just got to work out a way to find, find it. Sift the shit and find the pony. <laughs> that's a t-shirt t- 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 brand in there somewhere. Coin that. Coin the face. <laughs> that's it. If, if Foundation Leadership doesn't have a t-shirt out next week, I am... You can use it. That's what we should call it. Sift the, the shit and find the pony. I like it. I like it. It's great. Talking about Foundation Leadership, do you have a website that people can go and... I do. It's... Foundationleadership.com.au. Yep. And, um, Pretty simple. It's, it's not a. It's a, I'm not a. I'm not a. I don't think I'm. I'm the smartest man in the world. I just like keeping things pretty simple. <laughs> and uh, Facebook page. Facebook thing. page as well. Leadership. Uh, Foundation leadership. And plus uh, Bernie Garrett Facebook page. So jump onto uh, Bernie's Facebook page and Foundation Leadership's page. Make sure you like that. Jump on his website. Check out all the stuff he's got coming up. And what do you have coming up? Is there anything people can come and see you at? Or well, it's funny. I've um, I'm off to South Africa in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. Actually, next Friday, Friday week, um, to do some work with a client I have overseas, and I'm doing some some uh, business strategies and sales strategies with him in South Africa. So. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm looking forward to that. I just come back from China. Uh, we were over there working, and um, one of the reasons why he took me over there was because of my ten years' experience in China and my previous life in mining. You know, so um, it's diversifying a little bit for what I normally do. But there's no difference in whether I'm, I'm um, coaching business or not. I'm still trying to add value. Mm. So if I'm talking to a new client in South Africa about mining products or whatever it is, I'm still trying to add value. Because for me, leadership is influence, influence mm. is adding value. Well, make sure you let him know about the podcast. And, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we could get a multinational. Yeah, I think, I think we just did. Watch out. Watch out. Good afternoon, sir, to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Bernie, we're going to have to have you back on the show because yep. you've obviously got an enormous amount of information that you need to get out of your head and get it into the, uh, into the podcasting world and in, onto modern day thoughts. But uh, can, can you leave us with uh, something that uh, people might be able to take home? This, yeah, no, yeah, okay. Um, a lot of people stress out because of what's happening in their life, okay, and they don't know where the end is, mm-hmm. okay. Um, don't worry about. I mean, every, everything works out in the end. Mm. If it hasn't worked out yet, it's just not the end. Mm. There you go. Fair enough. It's just not the end, guys. <laughs> Keep moving forward. Bernie Garrett, Foundation Leadership. Jump on to the website, uh, chuck that into Google, and chuck it into your Facebook page. Make sure you like it, and you have a personal one as well. Yeah, I've got a, I've got the um, the Bernie Garrett uh, Facebook page. Bernie Garrett Facebook page. Foundation Leadership Facebook page and my Foundation Leadership website. So jump onto all of those you've just heard there. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us, Bernie. Guys, it's, it's been an pleasure. absolute pleasure. Thank you, Bernie. And I'll, I'll I'll send this out to all my networking friends as well. Sounds fantastic. Perfect. Bryce Fleming, what's happening, mate? This week, anything? Nothing. Mate, Still? everything and nothing all at the same time. Fantastic. I have mate. to drive to Sydney right now. Oh, shit. So, yeah. I'll drive fun. all the way to Dudley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Five Sawyers this, this uh, Thursday night at uh, 8 o'clock. Big show there, so make sure you jump in there on Derby Street. And on the 9th of December. This Thursday night? Yeah. Well, okay. Is that going to happen? No. No. That's going to already... When this gets aired, it's yeah, well, already gone. Yeah, I know. Okay. Just, I'm Good. just trying to... <laughs> the, magic of, <laughs> the magic of radio. <laughs> we had a great show on Thursday night last week that none of you came to because you didn't know about it, but trust me, it was great. But I do have the 9th of December, Wednesday night, the 9th of December, YouTube celebrities, people off the footy show, some great comics come to the Foghorn Brew House on King Street. Jump on that, it's 50 bucks. Anyway, modern, uh, modern day... Thoughts, MDT, check it out. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Follow us on something. Do something (laughs) with yourself. Good on you. See you next week. See you later. See you later.